Howdy, y'all, and step right up to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who doesn't like it when I do an introduction for his country. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. What are we, all Texans to you? Is that what we are? In the, in the popular imagination, uh-huh. kind of, yes. <laughs> like how all Brits are from East London, apparently. I mean, they are. Or, That's how it works. Or we're lords of the manor. Uh, just expository Brits for purposes of furthering the plot <laughs> in like uh, historical movies. It's always somebody from East London telling the tale. <laughs> the best expository British character is Basil Exposition. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is very true. We are here to mm. preview Group F, the, the finale of our World Cup 2019 group previews. In Group F, you will find the United States of America. I'm guessing we're going to go long on that one, because I'm guessing we both have things to say. It's a safe bet. Thailand, Mm -hmm. Chile, and Sweden. And Sweden. And our Scandinavian nemesis. Yes. Kind of, right? You are correct. Yes. Um, you ready to jump right in? I'm ready to jump Step right, right in. Step right up mm-hmm. to the USA. Is that the first time you've said y'all, or have you started to say that more often? No, I don't, I don't really say it. Yeah. It's the best word there is. It kind of is. Mm-hmm. It's actually two words, right? Yep. <laughs> Contraction means is it, one. Is there an apostrophe in y'all? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Right. Y apostrophe A-L-L. Lovely. You've seen my texts. I put it in there. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. I like it. I'm all about all right. punctuation in texts. You ready to talk USA? I suppose. Okay. Quick background on USA mm-hmm. for those who don't know. 2015 was glorious. No. Women's really? World Cup winners. Carly Lloyd Hattrick. Uh-huh. Um, 2016 was not so glorious. New. Went to the Olympics. Um, just couldn't break down Sweden and eventually mm-hmm. lost to them. I would argue that since then, uh, Gidele stayed in charge, the World Cup winner, um, and the Olympic not winner, I guess. Um, Gillette has stayed in charge. I think she'll love that, but sure. And built this team. Yeah. Um, I think the, the idea is to change this team up and build it so that never again are we stymied by a defensive team. Okay. Do you, you think she's done that? We'll find out very okay. soon. <laughs> All right. But it, things have been changed up, mm-hmm. I would say. And that's why the nickname for the USA is, weirdly, the USWNT, right? Yeah. That tends to be what everyone calls them, the US mm-hmm. Women's National Team, USWNT. The nickname should be... The Gamblers. All right. Because this, to me, this is an attacking team. You're really doubling down on the southernness, and I like this, it. Yeah, the Riverboat Gamblers. Uh-huh. This is an attacking team that takes risks, uh-huh. and it's also a, a roster that took a lot of risks by being stacked with attacking talent at the expense of defensive talent. Mm-hmm. Still not sure how I feel about that, although I feel like what I feel is concerned. But you agree with me so far, yes. right? Okay. Um, the playing style for the US Women's National Team it's going to be a 4-3-3, mm-hmm. right? We know it. I would say at this point, you and I, everybody fit, could name the starting 11. Yes. Yeah? I'm mm-hmm. going to do it, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Um, it's going to be Alyssa Nye on goal. It'll be Kelly O'Hara at right back. It'll be Becky Sauerbrunn and Abby Dalkamper as the two centre-backs. Casey Short at left back. It'll be Crystal Dunn <laughs> at left back. Casey Short is not on the roster. Um, uh, it's Rose Lavelle, Julie Ertz, Lindsay Horan in mm-hmm. central midfield, assuming everybody's fit. Um, Tobin Heath on the right, Megan Rapinoe on the left, um, Alex Morgan centre-forward. That, that seems out. to be Jill Ellis's preferred 11. Right? I would agree. Okay, here's what she does with that 11. Mm-hmm. I would argue that the US has different ways of pressing. I They're, agree. They are a pressing team, right? They'll quite mm-hmm. often go after you. I think sometimes Morgan weirdly drops deep and uh, uh, Rapino and Heath go and press. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an, quite, kind of an odd system. Sometimes Rapino and Heath come uh, really deep and then these sort of... The non-Juliet central midfielders, Lavelle and Haran, will like poke beyond the wingers mm-hmm. and they'll go and press. It's a really weird system. I've got another one for you. Sometimes Juliet will just charge out of there and go for a one-woman press. So here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I've noticed that before and I've gone back and watched. And w- what I've noticed is that it's not necessarily a press. I think if, like, if the press has been bypassed, if they want to kind of sit back a little bit, sit off a little bit, what I've noticed they'll do is they'll basically go into more of like a 
four three two one shape. Yeah. But it's almost like a four two or it's like that midfield five is like a two one two where you basically got yes. a square around Julie Ertz. Yeah. And she's allowed to kind of roam around and put out fires and try to make interceptions, but you've got those kind of four players around her yeah. to either pick up the ball once it spills loose or to sort of make covering runs or to uh, cover opposition players so that then Julie Ertz isn't necessarily exposed when she does the roaming. I've seen this too. I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. that it wasn't in my preview notes. That's okay. Yeah, there was like a box around Julie Ertz mm-hmm. and then she's allowed to go win the ball, yep. right? And it works because yeah. she's brilliant. She's one of my key players. I think we'll get into some details that's fair. Um, on Julia. Do you mind if I jump in one more time to talk about jump Julia away. some I more? Jump away. I feel like you know as much about the U.S. Women's National Team as we, me, right? So this can be like a, a two-handed preview. These are kind of my, like, my two nuances. So one I've already mentioned was like, like one little moment. The other thing, uh, watching the New Zealand game again in preparation to talk about New Zealand on the last preview, is that when they're playing against like a very defensive opponent – it, it stood out to me because I watched uh, the vacuum agrees that it's uh, against bunkered opponents. It could be frustrating. Um, but I noticed that like Becky Sauerbrunn would start dribbling forward and then would almost like as though she'd run into a wall, stop and square it to Julie Ertz. Yeah. And Abby Dahlkemper would do the same. And I think that against a bunkered opponent, they almost move into like a 2-3-2-3. Two, three, two, three, and Julie Ertz is the one who will always pull the ball forward. And those two center backs always stay home. So it's sort of like we commit numbers forward, we keep two center back central, and we're just really going to go at you and put numbers in there. Okay, well then, let's get into the details of Julia Ertz, sure. since you've already kind of taken us there, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cool with it, right? But yeah, one of the things I had in my notes is that she is like, you think of her as purely a destroyer, right? Mm-hmm. She's a former center back. She was a center back in 2015 when we won the World Cup, who stepped into defensive midfield. And you do see a lot of her winning the ball. You see a lot of slide tackles, right? You actually see a lot of things where, you know, the US is in trouble when she misses a tackle mm-hmm. and then suddenly everything's wide open. Like yes. a lot, the reason she's a key player is because I feel like a lot depends on her stopping a counterattack after we've committed a lot of numbers forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a thing you just touched on as well is that um, she's actually really good with the ball. Yes. Right? She, I've seen her do a couple of shimmies and hit a through ball. Like It's not that she's just a destroyer and then yeah. she has to give it to someone more creative. She can if she gives it to Rose mm-hmm. or Tobin Heath. But she can be part of the US sort of possession, like keep the ball moving quickly. And she can be hitting killer passes herself as yes. well. That's why she's a key player and super important. Yes. And then on top of that, I think she's got the kind of the veteran leadership, but also it seems like a lot of positive energy. Like if you watch. Yes. She's you know a that, warrior. You know, but you know that I like celebrations. Yeah. And I enjoy that she celebrates every single goal as though it's like the first goal that's ever been scored. Like she, she literally like <laughs> jumps for jo- she like jumps for joy with every single goal. She loves when her team scores, <laughs> and it, like that energy is always a good thing to have. All right, there's one key player uh-huh. discussed. I think we should talk more about the U.S. Um, the U.S. is attacking uh, style. One thing is that press that we talked about when they win it back. They're deadly. Yes. They really are. When they're in behind you, if they manage to win the ball in the press, you're really, really in trouble because mm. all those attacking weapons, um, you're disorganized. They have the ball. Things are bad. I actually think it's what the US is best at. That's yeah. their, their best sort of plan to score a goal is to pressure high, win the ball back, go at you. Right? Yes. And, I, and can I jump in to say that I think part of the going at you is playing in the channels, basically. That yes. it's like the distribution of Megan Rapinoe and Seven Heath factors yes. considerably there. Absolutely. Okay, but... When the U.S. is facing an opponent that like, hasn't made a mistake, mm-hmm. hasn't given the ball away, the U.S. has the ball, that opponent is sitting back, that's when it gets interesting, right? Because that's the, that's the Sweden problem that we're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. And I would argue what the U.S. do is they try to move the ball pretty quickly um, through midfield. And to me, they seem to end up going to the wings a lot. Right. Going to Megan Rapinoe, who 
is definitely not the fastest, but I would argue has maybe the best touch on this team, the best technique, um, and is really good at sort of making just a couple of little moves and like whipping in a cross yep. or a through ball type pass, like weird angle pass type thing that no one saw coming, or even shooting from distance. I can accentuate that by saying the goal she did score, the opening goal against New Zealand when they were very bunkered. Rapino gets it out wide and does that sort of driven but slightly bending ball that like isn't the goalkeeper's never going to be able to get to, but I think bypasses four different players yep. and then finds Tobin Heath for like an easy tap in. And also argue it's kind of a weakness on this team that the crossing is not great yeah you know what i mean i've mm-hmm. seen kelly o'hara get forward and put in crosses where it doesn't beat the first defender tobin heath's like just whipping in crosses is not as good she's mm-hmm. better sort of dribbling getting to the end line megan rapino is the one player that yeah. i 100 trust her to bend a ball in and it will find the target so that's one way that the u.s can attack okay the other way is to go down the right flank with tobin heath mm-hmm. right tobin heath is another one. She's my other key player. Okay. So I would argue, everybody kind of knows Tobin Heath, right? Like loads of tricks, loads of stepovers. Tobinha, they called her because she's almost like a Brazilian uh, style player. I think in the last year or two, Tobin Heath has added a bit of added a bit of muscle, okay. a bit of acceleration to her game. I think she's the most dangerous she's ever been. I think this could be Tobin Heath's tournament. This really? could be the one where, not that she's been bad in the past, she was very much a part of the 2015 World Cup winning roster, right? But I think this could be the one where she's the, one of the stars of the tournament. So why do you think that? Because of that extra acceleration. Mm-hmm. So before it was like, step over, shimmy, this, that, go past someone, but then you almost, the other player can just recover and she has to beat them again. <laughs> this time I feel like she's more decisive and deadly because she can she has that extra bit of acceleration she goes past someone and actually leaves them behind okay yeah that that makes me feel a little bit better but i've had my moments of frustration with tobin Heath. i know yeah including lately because i think sometimes she tries to do too much of that yes but but do you feel like maybe that's i I agree with that okay but it's sometimes it comes off and it's glorious Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah so, but then the question becomes, it, it feels like your two points of attack are still out wide. Yeah. And the way that Sweden were able to basically nullify the United States uh, in the Olympics was by kind of blocking the channels and mm-hmm. forcing them to come central and play that way. No, it was to force us wide, right? Didn't we end up sending a bunch of useless crosses against Sweden well, in 2016? I think, it was, I think it was more so to like nullify the effectiveness of Rapino and Heath like on the ball so that, yes, then it became a bunch of crosses. But yeah. it was sort of like not letting the United States do what they wanted to do in those kind of attacking positions. And yeah. that's my concern is how do they... Uh, kind of evolve from there what have they done to kind of fix that help us Rose Lavelle <laughs> you're our only hope with a little bit of Lindsay Huron as well yeah. but yeah Rose Lavelle who'll be like the right centre midfielder mm-hmm. she's the most creative player in many ways uh, in central, definitely in central midfield she's the most creative player she's the player who can sort of pull out a trick pull out a move that you didn't see coming and, and open you up Lindsay Huron also more sort of box to box more sort of uh, like dangerous both ways, but very, very capable of uh, contributing to the attack. And you'll often see her sort of bursting between the lines and she'll be the one on the end of a through ball as well. Mm. But I would agree with you. I think Rose Lavelle is the one who I've seen like written of as like the true number 10 for the United States if that yeah. like role is needed. I think you're absolutely right that she can pull off some tricks of her own, certainly, but the way she can keep the ball moving and sort of doesn't get pulled into those moments of like step over, step over, I'm going to shoot from distance, but yeah. seems to always be looking. Right? She, yeah, yeah, and always seems to be looking for like the kind of killer through ball or the incisive pass yep. more so than the individual moment of brilliance. And the play we haven't talked about yet is the center forward, yep. Alex Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alex Morgan, you like in the past, she was definitely a sort of pacey running behind. Then, in my opinion, just hit it as hard as you can with your left foot striker I don't love her finishing or I know she's very highly rated mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a lot of hit it as hard as you can and we're not quite sure where it's going to go sometimes agreed 
You, do, you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think especially when she's in on goal in 1v1 situations, yeah. certainly she can score goals, not saying she can't. But I do think you're right that she sort of relies a little bit on the breakawayness of the sequence yeah. as opposed to the what's the goalkeeper doing? Okay, now I'm going to wait for her to make a decision. Once she commits, I'm going to like pass it around her, pass it underneath her. I don't quite see that as much as, yeah, Smash I'm going to get it on goal and then I'm going to hit it hard. Yep. yep. Um, but the thing that I do like about Alex Morgan's game is I heard a talk about after 2016, not as a reaction to, no, as a reaction to the Olympics, more as a sort of career progression type thing she talked about wanting to be a more complete striker someone who can do the hold up play this and that she, she stated that as one of the reasons where she went, she went to play for Leon mm-hmm. briefly right I would argue she has added that to her game and that it's to the US's benefit that rather than just hanging on the last defender and hoping that like what would they call it, a tiny horse can just use her pace to run in behind mm-hmm. she will come deep receive the ball lay it off and I think that works in terms of like giving it to like connecting with midfielders connecting with Rapino and Heath even winning headers I think she's much much better at sort of if the US gets in trouble they can like lift it forward and Morgan can have a flick on and then that can be Heath or Rapino in behind so I think she's become a lot more useful as a connective player um, as well as doing the left footed smash that does re- even though it's sometimes wild mm. and uh, like frustrating it does result in a lot of goals yeah 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 I mean, I think like she'll have to drop in, I would say, because I think against especially some of the uh, opposition in this group, they're going to be bunkered and very defensive. Yeah. So the number of times we've seen her kind of hanging on the last defender with a hand in the air, wanting the ball over the top or wanting that long ball in, don't necessarily think that's going to work as well. Yeah, because so like there had won't be much space to run in behind new, too, right? Yeah. she'll probably be on the edge of the 18 mm-hmm. yes. already. Yes, but I think also will probably be well marked because she is that like kind of main threat if you're going to be crossing a ball in, yeah. like, looking for a header. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope she is then uh, more capable and adept at dropping in and kind of yep. like creating overloads that way. Then the other thing about the way the US attacks is the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. So Crystal Dunn, one of the reasons that she is playing left back when she's not really a left back is so she can get forward from left back, yeah. get involved in the attack because she's a very creative player, right? Kelly O'Hara the same. She's an attacking right back, right? Even though I don't love her crossing, she does get forward and, and get involved in attacks. So you, you really can see like sometimes Rapino and Heath will pinch in mm-hmm. and be closer to Morgan and O'Hara or, um, O'Hara or Dunn will be the widest players um, way up the field. And then, if the opposition breaks, that's when you need a Juliet slide tackle (laughs) to prevent the gigantic counter Mm -hmm. attack. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So there you go. That's my sort of uh, blueprint of how the U.S. women's national team plays. Mm -hmm. I did mention the concerns about the roster. Right. So there is – we've we've talked about this before. I think Mm -hmm. we should talk about it again just in case no one's uh, heard it before. It's pretty thin on defenders. We are pretty thin on defenders. So Kelly O'Hara is our right back. Ali Krieger is our back at right back. Crystal Dunn is our left back who's not really a left back. And as you said, you joked earlier, there's no Casey Short. Mm-mm. There kind of is no backup left back. I think it's like Kelly O'Hara would have to switch sides and Ali Krieger comes in. Or Tiana Davidson, who's a left-footed centre-back, um, and not, but not a starting centre-back, I think might just be asked to play left back. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it doesn't quite work. No, I mean, I, I think the idea is that like in, a, in like a very bad situation, if Crystal Dunn is injured, yeah, then Kelly O'Hara goes over to the left-back spot. And then if, say, like, Ali Krieger were hurt, then you have Emily Sonnet there, or vice versa, depending yeah. on what you need. Who, again, is really a centre-back. Yeah, but, so yeah. we could get very thin very fast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's that, and then there's Julie Ertz, as you've already mentioned. The, and the other problem with Julie Ertz mm-hmm. is she's so sort of key, key player, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, for all the reasons we talked about. If she gets injured, there is no obvious replacement defensive midfielder. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it is. It would be maybe asking Lindsay Horan or Sam Mewis to do it, or... I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, know. I mean, I think, I think that's the issue, and I'm not sure uh, Jill Ellis necessarily knows yeah. that either. It's why we've seen her in the most recent friendlies 
play even when she was bleeding from the head on two different occasions. Yes. I think because there aren't that many options if she's not there. I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you that it would probably, in my mind, be one of uh, Lindsay Horan or Sam Mewis. I also say that because Lindsay Horan, ha- I've seen her now wreck three different players playing for the U.S., so I feel like she has the defensive destroyer capability, certainly. Yeah. Oh, okay. And going mm. forward, I didn't mention this, but it's what's Rapino, Morgan, Heath, yeah. guaranteed starters. The reason there are so few defenders and defensive midfielders is there's just like a galaxy of stars yep. ready to come in and replace them. This is true. Kristen Press arguably deserves to start for all the impact she's had off the bench, mm-hmm. but the plan seems to be she has such impact off the bench. Yep. Let's keep her there. We'll bring her in as probably probably a winger. Mal Pugh the same. I mean, mm-hmm. Mal Pugh was this like big start already in 2016, right? And I think wasn't maybe wasn't quite ready to dominate international soccer. She's still not ready to dominate international soccer, but she's ready again to come off the bench and be really, really dangerous. Honestly, if Tobin Heath is having no luck down the right, I think the move is, all right, Tobinia, you're brilliant, but let's give Pugh or Press a try mm-hmm. up against that fullback. That could work, right? Yes. You've also got Jess McDonald, who can replace Alex Morgan. And you've got kind of the wild card for these yep. gamblers. Carly Lloyd. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're doing a lot of agreeing with me, but I feel like we're on the same page with a lot of US, US women's national I mean, you're, you're, you're listing players. So, yes, I agree I agree with the players that you have said are in the roster. Um, I, I have a feeling that Carly Lloyd will be more important to this team than I would have thought, at least, heading into this tournament, because I still have those concerns about Alex Morgan, and I think that Carly Lloyd is just such a ruthless finisher yeah. that – if there is a situation when the United States are playing against a team that is very frustratingly defensive and they can't find their way through, Carly Lloyd, like not in the Tobin Heath way, but just in a I'm going to score a goal no matter what way, finds yes. a way through. I think I think that's absolutely it. I think in, in a lot of ways she represents the competitiveness and mm-hmm. ruthlessness of this team, which I actually think is maybe their biggest attribute. Yep. I think other, other teams we've looked at, like France or Germany, are maybe technically better soccer players. You know what I'm saying? I've seen smoother mm-hmm. moves from a lot of the, the European nations. But do you remember the famous... I can't remember which game it was. McCall Zaboni, in the end, didn't even make the roster. She would have been a good Juliet replacement. Uh, yes. Do you remember when the audio was picked up of her saying, yeah. like, mm-hmm. what are we? And she used a swear word yeah. where effing winners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really think that is the attitude that permeates this entire team. And it's the thing that will either see them through the entire thing or maybe sort of the sort of prideful we're the best thing that like maybe comes back to bite them but I think Mm -hmm. Carly Lloyd even though her powers are waning a little bit represents that sort of we're the best like ruthlessness that uh, that this team has had for a few years I mean they've they've made they've made much of the fact that she doesn't want to be on the bench that she has not made a secret of not wanting to be on the bench that she will accept it she just sits there fidgeting waiting to come on but I think (laughs) kind of and I think that if she does come on you're going to see her go even more so than she already does yes. <laughs> towards trying to get those goals. Oh, okay. So I've talked a lot. Is there anything else, like any big thoughts that you have about the US Women's National Team that maybe you want you want us to talk about or you want to share? No, I mean I, I have the same concerns about depth and the same concerns about the variety of attack because, like for example, you said like if it's not working for Tobin Heath, Mallory Pugh comes in and like Mallory Pugh is very fast, very good on the ball, very technically like she's yeah. good technically good finisher as well. Yeah, but like. It's not that like massive changeup, I guess, in my opinion, from Tobin Heath. Certainly, Tobin Heath has more like foot skills, but I still have concerns about the variability of the United States attack. It's incredibly strong, and it's yeah. so strong that like if you give them an inch, they're going to score. If you give them even a half second gl- glance at goal, I feel like the U.S. has the ability to take advantage of that and find the back of the net. But it's when they're really frustrated and they get kind of pulled into those games that are very physical and the pace is slowed down, how they respond to that, uh, I will 
be looking to see what they do to kind of change it up and vary it up yeah. uh, in the second half. Do you feel like me, like hyper confident that the first opponents, I can't remember the order, but Thailand and Chile? Yeah. Uh, is it that order? I believe so. Um, they're kind of going to roll through that. Yes. Yeah. I do. Um, and then Sweden, mm-hmm. the the weird thing is, if the group's already kind of decided at that point and it doesn't matter, that game's going to be kind of dead. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I do. It's a confusing thing, though, because if France wins their gro- group as we expect them to, and say the United States does, I believe they would meet in the quarterfinals, which okay. is not ideal. So, like, there's also maybe that of like, eh, maybe maybe finishing maybe second or isn't the worst. Yeah. So that game could get weird, right? Because yeah. in one way, it's everything we've talked about about. This is the team that stymied us in 2016. Mm. This is what we've been trying to adapt so that we can beat. But we might get to a situation where we actually don't really need to beat them mm-hmm. when yeah. we play them. So yes. that'll be sort of frustrating. Yeah. yeah. And then I think, so, like, that, that could be not the most fun game. And then the other thing I would just say is because we are playing, like, two pretty weak teams, I would yeah. say. I don't think that's me, like, homerism or we bias got, or anything. The U.S. got a very, very yeah. easy draw. But I would caution people against, like, if they go up against Thailand and they haven't scored in 25 minutes or 30 minutes. Like, I think in 2015, there was a kind of negativity around the national team yeah. that persisted until maybe the knockout round where I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, but it's not pretty soccer. They haven't scored enough goals. They haven't done enough of that. And that is the kind of curse of the U.S. women's national team, that they're so good that there is this weird, like, they haven't scored in the first five minutes. Something's horribly wrong. Yeah. So, sort of, like, approach from some of the fandom. And so I would just caution people to just be like, <laughs> you know, lower the expectations. A 1-0 win against Thailand would not be the most exciting thing, yeah. but it's still three points. I'd predict more, though. I predict more as <laughs> Well. <laughs> um, final thing on the US mm. weirdly we always talk about the domestic league yep. so I kind of I'm looking at the NWSL with sort of fresh eyes or at least with eyes that can now compare it to the French league and the German league mm-hmm. and the women's uh, super league in England and it suddenly doesn't feel quite as impressive as it did before really? so I really look at like that Leon team we keep talking mm-hmm. about I honestly think any NWSL team you put Leon up against they would run out handy winners mm-hmm. I mean yeah. th- that's also the Leon team that have won their league for over a decade and have won the last four Champions yeah, yeah. League. So you're, you're. It's maybe unfair to compare them to anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit like saying, like, I don't know how good the Premier League is anymore because Barcelona in like 2008 or 2009 is like one of the best teams ever. Like, it's sort of is like, you, if you put them in the Premier League, they probably win every single game or they yeah. win a lot of their games. But I don't know if that diminishes the Premier League necessarily. I think okay. you're talking about a team that has. I mean, as we've said before, like any 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 player for any of the national teams that is on Lyon, we're instantly like, okay, so that's their key player. <laughs> She's very good because you have to be to play at that level. Okay, I guess another way of looking at it then mm-hmm. is I look at the European leagues and I see the connection between the women's teams and the men's teams. Mm-hmm. And they, there's just a bigger pot of money available because there's yep. all the money coming in from the men's teams, right? Mm-hmm. We say Lyon or Arsenal ladies or something like that. And NWSL teams don't quite have that same, uh, I see what you, mean, you know yeah. what I mean, like mm-hmm. big bank that they, yeah. can, that they can pull from. Yeah. So NWSL, nine teams. We hope it expands. We know there's that Barcelona thing where they're trying to get a, a Barcelona mm-hmm. team in their NWSL. There it is. There it is. Is it telling <laughs> that we have not mentioned the goalkeeper yet? Um, yeah, I guess. So Elisa Naya um, will be the starting keeper. She has been for a long, old time. I think, I don't know, I don't really have strong opinions about her. I think mm-hmm. she's not quite Hope Solo. In good ways and bad. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> yes, I do know exactly what you <laughs> Much mean. Much more steady presence, not making any headlines, mm-hmm. uh, but not really making any major mistakes either. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a steady presence in goal. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think that, the may, only... that may reflect my lack of analysis of our goalkeeper, but I, I just don't have a lot to say about it. No, I mean, I feel like the the concern, such as it is that I've heard, is just that like she's basically been the starting goalkeeper 
for a while now to the extent that there haven't been like uh, Ashlyn Harris gets a few minutes here and there Adriana French gets a few minutes here and there but for yeah. the most part it's, it's Alyssa and I are starting every single game yep. so the concern is what if something happens what if she does have a string of bad performances and then you're bringing in goalkeepers who maybe don't have as much experience Yeah, I think but, it would take an injury yeah. to, to switch her up but again, these that's are like, also possible right? these are very far down the ladder yeah. concerns as opposed to some teams being like so they don't really have a goalkeeper and they're trying to figure that out <laughs> don't one, really have those problems one kind of sweet bit of trivia is um we listed the starting eleven on the bench. Mm-hmm. There'll be Ashen Harris yep. and Ali Krieger. Oh yeah, married, mm-hmm. and then we have to just sit on the bench together and watch the game unfold. There you go. It's kind of it's the dream. As far as I know, they're the only married couple on a roster together in this World Cup. But I haven't researched all the other rosters. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, Australia has I forget her uh, her first name. It was, but it was changed yes. to something else. I yes, cannot remember. We talked about it. I apologize. She's married, but I don't know if her partner is in that squad as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm sure someone will correct us. Yes. <laughs> I cannot remember it. It's going to annoy me for a while. Still to come. I just remember because she took her partner's name. And so yeah, suddenly yeah. I was and like, it was why? great. I remember talking about it. Yes. But I was like, but also like, why did Butt get dropped? Like she played in so many games. Why is she no longer there? It's because she has a different name. <laughs> All right. Still to come. Mm-hmm. Thailand. Chile. Sweden, the uh, the nemesis team, mm-hmm. uh, Sweden. But first, today's show is sponsored by Talisman Caps. Mm-hmm. I just put on an imaginary hat you did. To, to mime the ad. They offer high-end, quality-made caps and gear to help you support and celebrate your club. Uh, to some extent, you could do that with your national team because yeah. they've got the uh, USA 99 hat. It's got Brandy Chastain on it. They've mm. got the Be a Legend hat with Mia Ham on it. Um, if you're maybe not going to support the U.S. Women's National Team, first of all, how dare you? But <laughs> second of all, maybe you're going to root for France. Maybe you're going to jump on that bandwagon. They've got the FFF hat uh, for the French Football Federation. Is that right? That's nice. It, it's a nice-looking hat. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to lie. It, it matches. I think when we talked about France, we didn't mention how nice their, their white and kind of like polka dot jerseys are. Yes. It's like the hat reflects the stylistic nature of the French national team. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're more into, say, Champions League football, they did just, I think, re-release their Liverbird five-panel hat. It says the Liverbird on it. Uh-huh. It's red. It's, a five-panel hat is a certain kind of hat, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Cooligans hat is also a, a five-panel hat, as I've come, as I've come to understand it. <laughs> Talisman Caps has taught me a lot about caps. Have they? That's yeah. good. I'm glad. Before I just, I thought they all came like baseball cap shaped. <laughs> What would you say talisman caps are? Well, they're like, like the different like. Oh, you would have uh, just said like there was just one generic baseball. Yeah, cap. I, I, I thought you were implying that like talisman are like not baseball caps, and I right. was slightly concerned. But you know what I'm saying? Like, the classic baseball cap. I thought that was the only style. I got you. Yeah, now. I uh, was wrong. They've also got the vintage vault, which is uh, curated jerseys that they find especially fly, and there are some pretty solid ones in there. There's a lot of like early MLS ones. Last I checked, yeah. That, uh, were I a, a, a one with bolder fashion tastes, I might uh, acquire a couple of those. <laughs> and worth mentioning, this is an independent American mm-hmm. company based in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> it, you always hesitate for a minute there. Do you know what it is? I always can't remember if it's Minneapolis or Minnesota is uh-huh. the state or the city. Gotcha. Right? And then I have to remember, they're not actually in Minneapolis, they're in St. Paul, but they're there twin cities, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of the same thing. You did it. I'm going to assume there's a river in between. Uh, that seems like a safe seems bet. Right, right. And I'm going to assume it's frozen at least part of the year. Uh, <laughs> the other thing you should know about Talisman Caps is that you can get 20% off yes. um, with minimum purchase of $35, which is the cost of one cap. But if you want to buy like seven, then you can still get 20% off because <laughs> it works that way. And you can do so by using the promo code TOTALSOCCER20 at checkout. TOTALSOCCER20 at talismancaps.com. The link and that code will both be in the show notes. All right. So we've done the USA. We Shall sure we have. do some Thailand? Yeah. I'd, so. I'll, I'll be honest, I know zero, absolutely zero about this Thailand team, so I'm, I'm prepared to be educated. So did I until this morning. Hopefully I know more than <laughs> zero. Uh, their nickname is Chabakau. 
uh, which I believe translates to the pink elephants. I might be wrong on that one because there was no translation offered. Most of the English language sources I saw just said Chabacao. No, so like I looked it up and I think it relates to uh, like a story that involves elephants. And I think this particular one is pink. I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to call them the sophomore season. That is their nickname for me. Why so? Uh, because historically the sophomore season is uh, it's difficult to re- like to replicate the breakout rookie year. I think it might be difficult for Thailand to replicate their 2015 Women's World Cup performance. What happened in 2015? In 2015, uh, they beat the Ivory Coast, their first ever win. Uh, only, I think, four teams out of Asia, uh, the Asian Federation, have ever won multiple games at a Women's World Cup. So Thailand would like to be one of those teams to maybe win one this time around. It's just that it's really the same team from 2015 with a few changes, but not necessarily stronger as a result of that. Okay. Um, so it is going to be the last go-round for a lot of the 2015 veterans. 15 of the 23 players on the roster uh, were in the last World Cup. Nine of, those, nine of those players are going to be starters. So basically, nine of the 11 are the exact same team from 2015. Got it. More or less, yes. So what can you tell me about... Have you glean, been able to glean much about sort of how they play? Yes. Uh, oh, I mean, okay. so... It's tough because First of all, well done. <laughs> thank you. It's tough <laughs> because there is not necessarily a lot of like lineups and data because they've played in a variety of competitions that like are more so I think just trying to get experience. So you're not seeing a lot of statistical reporting and lineup reporting and all that. But what I can tell you is that they're basically trying to prepare for this tournament by playing better opposition than they might face in their confederation in their qualifying uh, tournaments. So that's good in that it gives them more experience. It's bad in terms of the results are kind of rough. So since they beat Australia in July of 2018, they've lost 11 of their last 12. That includes uh, 5-0 to China, 4-1 to Portugal and Italy, 3-0 to France and Nigeria. Most recently, on June 1st, they lost 6-1 to Belgium. So those numbers are too big. Yes. Yeah. Some of them are very big. But I think you can explain it partially by the fact that they are experimenting a little bit. Uh, in 2015, they went very defensive because they were playing stronger opposition. That was the easiest way to deal with that. So I think in some of these games, they've tried to op- open it up, tried to, a few different things. It has not worked. They've been beaten. So I do think that they're probably going to be a bit more defensive. The one outlier for that, I think, will be probably a 4-3-3 against Chile because that will be their final group stage game. And I I think there they'll know maybe three points if they can keep the goal difference close against the United States and Sweden. Maybe three oh, points sends them through. I didn't realize that the the other part of the other side of the coin of USA Sweden being the yep. final game is that Thailand Chile is the final game. Yes, so they're going to both hope mm-hmm. that they can get a point somewhere yeah. against USA and Sweden. And then hope to beat the other one. Uh, honestly, That's the only way through, right? I mean, I'm sure they're hoping for a point. I'm sure they would take three points. I, I really do think that it's probably, if you're being practical, it's more of a let's keep it really close against Don't, don't the lose United by States. too many. Yes, against the United States and Sweden. So our, our goal difference is such that if we get uh, a win, yeah. maybe that three points is enough to take us to the next round because some third-place teams go through. Oh, but it's, it's a big ask, right? But I guess if yes. that's your only chance, you might as well try and take it. So that means that that final game, Thailand-Chile, mm-hmm. could be absolutely thrilling. It could be. If they, if they both have zero points and they both know it's got to be three points to go through, mm-hmm. maybe they just go at it against each other. Yeah, and, and I think that's, again, that's what I think they'll probably try to do is to be a bit more attacking with that 4-3-3 yeah. against the United States and Sweden. Probably more of a bunker 4-5-1. Even then, as I said, I think some teams have kind of figured out how to beat a bunkered team, especially if that team doesn't necessarily play at a high level, because yeah. Thailand don't. If you look at their domestic league, the Thai Women's League, um, it 
They'll say it, it has existed since like 2010, I think, or 2009, uh, but there was a four or five year hiatus. So it was revived in 2017. Um, to get ready for the World Cup. Pretty much. Uh, it's, it does feel that way. I think they had like consultants come in and recommend that that was like one of the only ways that they might be able to compete at a higher level. But it is the case that uh, there are 11 teams in the league. That league, I think, from my, my research, again, not a lot of English language reporting on the Thai Women's League. Um, I think that league includes the Thai U16 and U19 national, national teams. Yeah. Um, the U19s won the league last season, which is worrying because um, 10 of the 23 players on the current roster play for Chonbury, who finished third in the, se- in the league. So, yeah. I mean, again, if those numbers are correct from what I was able to figure out— um, but 21 of the 23 players on this roster are playing in the Thai Women's League. So it's not – I think that's part of the issue, though, is that because they're not going out and they're playing in slightly higher levels of competition against a variety of competition – because they're not good enough to do so. Yeah, I, I think so. And so then it becomes – they go back and play for the national team. They do kind of the same thing, but there's not a lot of evolution to it. So are mm. there any sort of players we should keep an eye on? Maybe, yes, maybe a are. couple of key players? Yes, I would say uh, the number one key player uh, is Suchawadi uh, Nildhamrong or Miranda Nild if you're American because she is American too. Oh, okay. She is a 22-year-old American-born forward for the California Golden Bears. Uh, if Thailand scores in this tournament— Well, the California Golden Bears a college team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Alex Morgan's alma mater, I believe. Okay. Um, if Thailand scores in this tournament, she will be involved uh, because— Actually, I should note— she is not just because of their alma mater. She is sort of similar to Alex Morgan in that she is she is lanky, uh, so she's tall, skinny. She's got the the long ponytail, the long straight hair, but yeah. also she's she's kind of has that like like pace to try to get behind defenses. She's going to challenge in the air. She's decent at, at, with her hold up play. She's good at scrapping for the ball. So there's a lot of similarities between the two. And really, she looks regularly like Thailand's best player. Like okay. I, I, she seems to me. Forgive me if this is like a, like a, an unfair thing to say, but I feel like some of the women in the Thailand national team maybe came to soccer late. She looks like a person who played soccer her entire life. That like you can just see the little like instinctual like okay, I need to be here. I need to make this run. I need to be here at this time. And there will be times when she will try to lead her teammates, and her teammates will stop because they didn't realize it was going to be a leading ball. Got it. Or there's just moments where like she'll try to play quickly, and her teammate will like take a touch and take a touch and take a touch, and you can see her kind of demanding the ball back and wanting it back and it doesn't Ooh, quite come that's going to be frustrating on her, yes. like frustrate like empathy type frustrating to watch yes yeah. I, I think it will be yeah. because she does and, what, and what's her name again sorry uh, Miranda Nild, would, Miranda would, Nild. Would, is what she goes by but uh, Suchawadi Nildhamrong N-I-L-D-H-A-M-R-O-N-G got it uh, she will have some support I should add because the other player that I want at the spotlight is uh, Silouan and Tommy 25 year old central midfielder for Chonbury the team that finished third yeah um, it's her second World Cup she scored two of the three goals in their first and only win versus the Ivory Coast in 2015 so she's kind of led Legendary uh, in Thailand for that, or at least in Thai women's soccer. She is their midfield playmaker. If they go with that 4-2-3-1, she'll probably be sitting very deep, but she would be the one most likely to combine with Nildam Rong up top. Uh, and she, the one thing I did, I did really enjoy about her is that she also does look for some of those like, like less obvious balls. I saw her okay. winning the ball back and then trying to split defenses and trying to kind of play like like clever long balls into the channels, it, it was less like lateral, 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 don't get caught in possession, which did seem to happen with some of the other Thai attackers uh, on occasion. So, and, and I began one more time? Silouan and Tommy. Uh, and Tommy. And I would expect lots of energy. I'm going to guess that she will cover the most ground of any Thai player. 
uh, part, partially because she's going to be trying to put out fires and uh, win the ball back and link up, and partially because I think she's going to try to combine with Nilda Wrong up top as much as possible. All right. Anything else to add on the uh, Thai team? Uh, yeah. Uh, Ratihan uh, Thungzambat is, I think, how you pronounce that? 27-year-old attacker. Uh, she'll start on the left wing. Uh, get to know her because she's going to foul some people. Uh, <laughs> she is very physical. Uh, she loves an aerial challenge. Like, she... She's one who I saw whenever there's a throw-in. Not whenever, but a lot of times when there was a throw-in, you see her just pointing at her head. Like, she wants the ball in her head kind of regardless of where she is, even if it doesn't make sense. She goes in for it, and she'll also go in for it, even if maybe she knows she's not going to win the ball. Yeah. So I expect she'll be doing some fouling, I think. Thailand, yellow cards? I, yeah, I think so. And I think Thailand will probably do a bit of yellowing, or fouling, especially against the United States, again, in an effort to slow things down. So they need, uh, sorry, remind me her name again? Uh, Ratihan Thongzambut. Things about they need mm-hmm. her to get through the first two games yes. against USA and Sweden without picking up two yellows. Yes, they do. So that she's not suspended for that challenge. I'm not game. convinced she will, but yeah. yes, they That'll, do need that. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. That'll we be will. interesting to see if she makes it. Worth noting, it is her second World Cup. She's in that. She's All in right. that kind of that group as Good well. Good experience then. Yes. Maybe she knows, like, oh, maybe the, the 89th minute of this mm-hmm. second game, I'll, I'll ease off a little bit. And then my final, <laughs> final one, as I said, maybe Thailand keeps it to like 1 0 against the United States, but it's worth noting they've been rotating the goalkeepers uh, and they're kind of. Their veteran goalkeeper, uh, Boon Singh, I think it is, it will likely not be starting, but right. like it's up in the air. All that is to say that I think the goalkeeper situ- situation is fairly unsettled. I yeah. would encourage uh, American players to shoot early and often. Well, especially if they've been rotating them, they'll be all dizzy. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Are you ready for the next team? I am indeed. Okay. That was Thailand. That was Thailand. This is Chile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chile, Las Chicas de Rojo, the ladies in red. As if Christoberg named them. Las Chicas de Rojo. That is the Chilean team's nickname. But the nickname should be the Optimists. Okay. The Optimists. This is their first ever World Cup appearance. They made it because they hosted the qualifying tournament and finished second behind Brazil. Um, so, again, this is going to be a yeah, big mm-hmm. thing for them, right? First ever tournament. Um, the coach, Jose Letelier, has been in charge since 2015. He plays a theoretical 4-2-3-1 but it's really a 4-5-1. It's really a defensive 4-5-1 where they sit not super deep, but like roundabout midfield and challenge you to to come through them, right? So they've got one striker, uh, Danielle Zamorano. She'll be the one that sort of is really, I always see her weirdly disconnected from the rest of the team because she's all the way up top and the rest of them are just back, back, back in what is essentially um, a 4-5-1. Right. Okay, the problem with it is, they. the reason they're optimists is out wide, they are fielding... Essentially two strikers. So on the left, it's Yanara Ayedo. I think she'll wear the number 10. She's pretty creative. She's got a bit of pace. She's maybe the best hope of creating something going forward. She plays for Valencia. But she's really an attack-minded player, right? So what what this creates a problem with is when like teams start like you know attacking down a flank, you want your defensive wide defensive mm-hmm. midfielder to track runners. Doesn't necessarily do that all the time. So you That's end up with a bit of like 2v1 right. against the fullback. And it's the same problem on the other side with Mar- Maria Jose Rojas, another striker who's going to be playing on the wing, um, who is essentially of, cut from the same cloth, right? Technically really good. I've seen her play and score goals as a striker, but she'll be playing on the wing for Chile and not doing a whole lot of tracking back. You know what that I'm saying? That seems like it could be disastrous against the United States and Sweden. Yes. Okay. It, it could be. Um, it also it H- kind of hence explains the optimism. Gotcha. It kind of explains why Chile have had some odd results. Like their their best result easily from the past year is they beat Australia three two. 
huge, okay. right? But two of the goals were just massive Australian howlers. It was like yeah. a defender trying to pass the ball backwards, completely mishitting it, and just putting a Chilean attacker through on goal. Right? Two of the goals were like that. Or was it Chilean mind games that totally worked to their advantage? I don't think so. Because <laughs> just a few days later... They had, you know, sometimes yeah. it's like a double header type mm-hmm. game. The US does this sometimes. Yep. Chile faced. The United States did it against Chile. In fact. Yeah, so yep. two days later, Chile faced Australia again. I think the Australian players like had a chat with each other, like yep. let's let's cut the mistakes out. Australia five, Chile nil. Oof. Yeah, kind of buried them. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, and then uh, slightly fewer mistakes that time. Yeah, slightly okay. fewer mistakes, and then there've been some big defeats. Like mm. they lost seven nil to the Netherlands, and a lot of it is. Balls. The reason I really spotlighted those two wide players who don't track back, well, it's not, look, defending is not part of the game, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's a lot of getting down the channels. This is going to suit the US. So 4-5-1, but you get down the channels because you can get there, putting balls across, and then the defenders, the centre-backs, Guerrero and Sayers, I watched a lot of them, and like they weren't horrible. They weren't like falling over each other, but they were not making any mm-hmm. sort of decisive blocks or plays or stepping. Like, I kind of feel like maybe they're just not physically strong or aggressive or anything that might help you defend and clear a ball. So when you're firing balls in, Mm -hmm. I I think you're really hurting Chile. If you get down the wing and fire some low balls in, it's all kinds of trouble for Chile. So they're basically going to be targeting that game against Thailand as well, similar to what Thailand will be doing against Chile? Exactly. Yeah. Um, The the other big thing uh, to think about in terms of them being optimists is when they do get the ball back, Mm -hmm. they tend to play a sort of possession soccer, right? And they're they're good players. A lot of them have like very good technical skill. So they'll be moving the ball around, passing it around in midfield, and they'll have a couple of moves and this and that. But it, all the games I watched, it kind of never comes to anything. You know what I mean? There'll be a bit of progress down the field. Eventually, the move breaks down. Then they have to shift back into the into the four five one and defend and wait for it. Wait for it all to happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that does it not come to anything because? How do I say this? Like, is it because they're not sort of able to find innovative ways through? Like, do they not have a playmaker who can sort of, like, okay, now we've made it into the final third. Now we're going to give it to this person. She'll dribble through or she'll try to, like, like thread the I needle. I think it's more, from, from what I've seen, there's not really a plan beyond possessing the ball. Okay. You know, you know like, with the Netherlands we talked about uh, on the mm-hmm. previous show, there's definitely, like, unsettle them and then we'll exploit these. These wingers will, like, find a position and exploit one of the fullbacks. I didn't really, it might be because I haven't seen enough footage, but, you know, I've seen a, a few games mm-hmm. and a few chunks of games. I never saw, like, oh, here's what Chile do every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a little bit just like possess the ball and that'll be good enough and we've all like got some moves and we'll try and make something happen and then it doesn't quite happen. They've really taken that like 10 passes equals a goal drill to heart? Yeah, okay. yeah it could be something like that. Okay, in terms of key players, mm-hmm. um, maybe one of the most famous players is the goalkeeper who's also the captain, Christiane Endler. She plays for PSG, so pretty good team uh, in mm-hmm. France. Not Lyon, but they want to be Lyon. <laughs> she is five foot eleven and a half. That's tall. That's tall. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Hope Solo five foot nine, Lissanaya five foot nine, and they look like good size for women's goalkeepers, right? Five foot eleven and a half. Okay, um, is Christian and and it really she really stands out when you see it, like whoa, that's a that's a tall goalkeeper. So much for hiding our secrets and up top goal for Chile. So much for what? Hiding our secrets up top. What do you mean? <laughs> it's a it's a Michael Scott joke about how the world's tallest man is China uh, is Chinese, and he said so much for uh, hiding our secrets <laughs> secrets high. <laughs> So I took I took a good look at uh-huh. her, watched a lot of footage. She's really good one-on-one. Mm. Right? If you're in behind and one-on-one with her, she will come out. And because she's big, she's very good at like coming and making herself big because she's already big to begin with uh, and blocking all the angles. And she gets a lot of blocks like that, right? What she's not great at, unfortunately, is when balls are fired in from the, from the wing, fired in low, like corridor of uncertainty type stuff, she tends to stay rooted to her line. So you end mm. up with a lot of 
Balls come in. The centre-backs don't get to it. There's a player in the six-yard box, gets a strike at goal. And Endler, rather than like being out there and smothering it before that striker can get a strike at, she's on her line and desperately trying to dive one way or another. But you know when goalkeepers are on their line, yep. the goal's really big to aim at, mm-hmm. right? So one thing she, from, what I, from what I saw, one thing she's really good at coming off her line one-on-one when balls are coming in from across, she's staying on the line and often getting beat. Maybe she has too much faith in her centre-backs. That might be. I just, I, if I was her, I would not trust them at all. I'd come out and claim everything. <laughs> I'll, I'll let her know. Yeah, please uh, do. Uh, from what I can see at club level, she seems to be pretty good in distribution. It seems like uh, her club team tries to play through her whenever possible. Do you yeah. think that's something that Chile will try to do as well? Is it a build from the back team or I is mean, it a kick-it-long team? It's not a kick-it-long team. Okay. They will try and possess and move it forward because they're optimists. Just emphasis they, on yeah. try. I mean, they like playing good soccer, right? yeah. which is admirable. Mm-hmm. They're just like not as good at it as the, the much better teams in this tournament. right? Gotcha. They're the second best team in South America at doing it. That's good. Right. <laughs> that's something. <laughs> Another key player to keep an eye on. Um, I want to look at uh, central midfield. The captain is Karen Araya, number eight, uh, plays for Sevilla. But the player I really want to look at is... Someone who I think is like almost like the second slightly better draft of Karen Araya, um, it's Francisca Lara. She looks like the most complete player to me. She's going to win number four, Francisca Lara. She is the player in central midfield that you'll see uh, breaking up plays. Like, you know, they'll have numbers back. She's the one who tends to read the game the best, step to the ball, win the ball. And then, again, she's got good technique. Like, she'll make a nice little cut, a nice little pass, and she'll get that possession thing going. She'll be at the heart of a lot of that possession stuff even if eventually it doesn't quite go anywhere. All right. So number four, Francisca Lara. Thank you. I was going to ask her name one more time. Yeah. All um, right. So there you go. That's uh, everything I know about the Chilean women's national team. All right. One more team remaining in the final group. One more team, and then the World <gasps> Cup is previewed. Uh, but first, That we means should... it can start. After we've done previewing it, they let the tournament start. Exactly. That's how it works. Uh, <laughs> but first, let's talk about Policy Genius. Let's do it. Policy Genius, there's a widely held belief that procrastination is a bad thing, but life isn't so black and white. Sometimes procrastination can work in your favor. Like when you're uh, trying to cram in all of your World Cup preparation, and you do it kind of the night before, but then you yep. don't sleep, but you know everything. Yep. Execution concentrates the mind, as one of my professors once told me. (laughs) But in the example of life insurance, if you've been putting that off, congratulations, because you have managed to procrastinate long enough for technology to catch up and make it easy. Was your professor threatening you with death? Is that what I'm led to believe from that statement? No, he was saying, like, the exam's coming. Don't worry, you'll end up revising a lot because you'll panic towards the end. Okay, that makes more sense. (laughs) I think it's like a Samuel Johnson quote when he was about to be executed. He said, execution concentrates the mind, and you can almost think of a way out of it. He's written a lot of papers then? All right. (laughs) Um, Well, Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for insurance online. Uh, In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price, but because they make it easy, they make it easy to stop procrastinating because I think a big part of it, life insurance is not necessarily fun to think about. So it's an easy thing to kind of put off like, yeah, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. I'll do that later. Policy Genius, you can kind of knock it out quickly and be yep. on your way. And because it's you on the website, yep. policygenius.com, there's no sales pressure and crucially, there's no hidden fees. Nice. So you don't see a price and then it's actually a different price. Mm. Oh, you and want you your family to be taken care of? An yes. extra $200, please. <laughs> yeah, there's none of that. It's Mm-mm. not like a certain ticket sites that will call themselves the master. Yep. Um, <laughs> and there's no one breathing down your neck to make the sale either. Mm, they also help you find uh, the right home insurance, auto insurance, disability insurance. There are many different options uh, for anyone in need of any type of insurance. But if you need a life insurance especially, mm-hmm. but you've been busy doing literally anything else you've been procrastinating, check out Policy Genius. It's the easy way to compare all the top insurers and find the best value for you. It's policygenius.com is that URL, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to shop for life insurance. That's why they made it easy over at policygenius.com. Final World Cup team to discuss, 
is Sweden. Ooh, I'm the Blaugolt. I'm getting emotional. The Blaugolt. Mm-hmm. The blue uh, and gold. Blue and yellow. Blue and gold. Yeah. Something like that. I'm assuming it's gold, but they've translated it to blue and yellow because yeah, yeah. they have. I am calling them the elevators in a half-renovated building. There you go. <laughs> this is even better than the storage unit Picassos. The I do my best. Elevators in a half-renovated building. I was trying to remember when our elevators in this building were being renovated, so I uh-huh. could have gone that route, but I couldn't remember, so here we are. It was after I brought that horse in. Um, because that probably broke it down. Uh, what do elevators do, Daryl? They go up and down, just like Sweden. Sometimes Sweden are up, sometimes they're down. <laughs> but if it's being renovated, they're unreliable at times because you don't know how long it's going to be. Maybe they're working on both of them. You might have to wait for a while. And if they have been partially renovated, some of them are older, some of them are newer, and you've kind of got to uh, deal with the differences there. That's pretty much the description of Sweden. Um, they have a variety of formations. Again, variety, spice of life. Uh, they rotate personnel in most spots. Manager Peter Gerhardsen likes a 3-4-3, will also play a 4-2-3-1, so sometimes a back three, sometimes a back four. Sweden might be one of the few women's teams, I think, to uh, – go with a back three as kind of a default because... Yeah, there's so many back fours in this tournament. Yes, yeah. yeah, uh, But it's kind of confusing because they haven't really gotten the best of results playing a back three. They lost to Germany, Portugal, and Italy when in that shape. Uh, But I think the reason why is because three of their strongest players, Nila Fischer, Lena Sembrandt, and Magdalena Eriksson, can all play center backs. So it's an easy way to put all three of them in there. Otherwise, it's usually Eriksson gets kind of pushed out to left back, but she is more so naturally a center back. So I think that's why they might go that route I have a question is it a back mm-hmm. three or is it really a back five I think it's I think it's uh, meant to be a back three okay yes. Yes. it does have kind of an attacking element to it yes right? it's it free enough for the players to be farther forward mm-hmm. okay. but again you've got like variety in the attacks so they're kind of up and down depending on the results then there's variety in performances knocked out in the quarterfinals in 2015 finals in the Olympics of 2016 you talked about they eliminated the US I didn't know they went all the way to the final uh, yeah. and then quarterfinals in the, Euro, uh, in the Euros in 2017 not the result they would have been looking for partially explained by their inconsistent attack. Again, sometimes the elevator comes right away and they score a goal. Sometimes you got to wait for a little while uh, because their expected goals are not ideal. Their goal scores tend to be erratic in their form. Okay. All that said, uh, some of the elevators are new. Some of them are veteran. Let's talk about the veterans from them. The okay. ones that have been there forever. The ones that I think the elevator here, like it was installed in the 1920s. Yeah. Uh, you do not have any 1920s uh, players on the roster, but you have six who are over the age of 29. <laughs> like 90-something years old. Yeah. <laughs> but still playing. Uh, <laughs> and all six of those players that I mentioned who are over 29 are core members of the squad. The spine would, of the team is going to be uh, goalkeeper Hedvig Lindahl, 36 years old, 158 appearances. There's your goalkeeper. Uh, center back Lin, uh, Linda Sembrandt, who I already mentioned, 32 years old, 110 appearances. Neela Fisher, 34 years old, 176 appearances. Neela Fisher, I remember yeah. from the 2015 World yeah. Cup. Yeah. So you've got like the experienced goalkeeper. Center backs, uh, Caroline Seeger, who's a player I want to spotlight. I remember her too. Yep, 34, 34 years old, 193 appearances. And up top, uh, more so as your number 10, Kosovare uh, Aslani, 29 years old, 126 appearances. Those five players have 60% of the caps on this roster okay. of all 23 players. But then, like, if they do go with the back four, this is why I find them really interesting is because they would probably have uh, Sembrandt and Fisher as the two center backs. But yeah. then, like, Erickson, whom I mentioned, uh, 25 years old, she plays for Chelsea. And you've got uh, Hannah Gloss, the right back, 26 years old, who plays for PSG.
PSG. So a lot of the core players that I mentioned, the veteran players, are playing in Sweden right now. Mm-hmm. And then like a lot of the younger players are the ones who are in France, who are in England, who are kind of going out uh, somewhere. With, I think there's a couple with Bayern Munich. So you've got a few like the younger players kind of going out doing their own thing. They're modernizing. They're adapting. They're the new elevators. <laughs> and they're helping you stay up. Um, as I said, there are other key players like Caroline Seeger, uh, who uh, you mentioned you are familiar with. Yeah. She, I wouldn't say familiar, but I just remember the name, essentially. That's fair. Yeah. She's been around for a while. 34 years old, veteran midfielder, uh, 27 goals as well. So that's nothing to scoff at. But it's mostly her sort of possession and presence in the middle that will give Sweden comfort because she is very good at doing that, but also help Sweden sort of link defense to attack um, and just keep the ball moving. She is a metronome when it comes to possession. Uh, All White Kit, the website, uh, statistically pointed out uh, she completes 91% of her passes, her worst uh, game this cycle. She only completed 86%. Oh, that's, shame. I know, it's absurd, we should right? ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, she played professionally in the WPS uh, in France for is both... Forerunner of the NWSL. It is indeed. Yeah. Uh, she's played for Lyon and PSG. She now plays for Swe- in Sweden for Rosengard, and she really is just like a pillar of stability there. She also does not shy, shy away from the aerial challenge. I had her as a good aerial policewoman because if there's anything loose in the air, she's going to step to it. She's going to win. Yeah. And even those little like flicked on headers that then become 50 50 balls, she's stepping in and winning those too. So she's, she's kind Car- of that. Caroline Seeger. Yeah. She's going to be like your midfield general, but she's probably going to be partnering. Like, I think it's a 20. 25-year-old. So again, you've got the combination of old and young. The goal scoring is more of an issue for Sweden uh, because while they have good strikers and capable goal scorers, they are very erratic in their form, especially at national team level. The kind of consistent performer when it comes to their attack is Kosovare Aslani, Mm -hmm. uh, who I already mentioned, 29-year-old creative attacker for Linkoping. Linkoping uh, is a, in the Swedish domestic league. Oh, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of f- four players from Linkoping on the roster. Uh, they won titles in 2016 and 2017 in the Damal which is 12 teams, two Champions League spots, which is different than a lot of the leagues we've talked about, yeah. such as the kind of uh, proven stability of the Swedish league. Um, but Aslani is... Because of her Balkan heritage, uh, but she plays for Sweden. She's got the she long got hair. She's from Kosovo, right? Uh, yes, Kosovo, I, I was in so. yeah. uh, She's got long hair. She's smooth on the ball. She's the new Zlatan. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she gets those comparisons a lot because she is pretty like, calm on the ball, confident in the ball, has that swagger, can score those goals, 32 goals uh, for Sweden. And she isn't necessarily going to be like the striker. There are many other uh, players who could yeah, do that. Yeah, I saw the clips. I saw she was like on the right wing for a lot. Yeah, she, yeah, she drifts out wide. She'll sometimes operate centrally in that like 4-2-3-1. If it is like a 3-4-3, then yeah, she'll probably go out wide and be one of the more attacking players. But she's more about like creating chances uh, than she is kind of dribbling through and scoring on her own. And the, what, sorry, what's her second name? Kosovari Aslani. Aslani. Uh, which is lion in Turkish, I believe. Ooh. So there you go. Uh, but then... Like Aslan? Is that how Aslan got named? I think so. In the language in the wardrobe? Yes. Ah. I'm going to say yes. Uh, uh, but then other goal scorers uh, possibly would be Stina Blackstinius, who's a, a, a younger player uh, who is very quick, very like, uh, like what I kept seeing from her was one twos that played her in behind the defense. She's, yeah. she, she, she looks very mobile. And she also routinely what I saw, especially at club level, was she'd start centrally. She'd play it wide to sort of like an interior but slightly wider player. And then she would get that ball played into the channel and would instantly look to cross. So it was like two touches from her and she'd move from central centrally to all the way out wide and then playing the ball back in to like an overlapping runner. So she's really good about linking up the attack, but not 
necessarily always going to score your goals. If she struggles, uh, that was Stina Blackstinius. What a great name. And Sophia Jacobson would be the other uh, goal threat for Sweden. So you've got lots of stability, lots of young players combining with lots of veteran players. The issue comes down to how, like, kind of regularly and efficiently they can replicate the successes they've had before while sort of moving away from some of the more disappointing results they've had in major competitions. Uh, Can I ask you this? Has Nilla Fisher still got it? I think from like, everything I saw, yes. She's still like a dominant... I remember her yes. being an absolutely dominant centre-back, just winning everything that yeah. came her way. Because again, I, I think it's not, it's not... Sweden, like, not to say that their style of play is ugly, it's not. They can possess the ball and move it very quickly, and they can certainly counterattack. But I think it's because those players are put in positions that favour them. It's why you can have veteran players, because you don't require them to run 20 miles a game, because you're going to be high-pressing everywhere and everyone's got to be mobile. You can sort of rely on, on your... that kind of core spine to stay central, to operate that way, to win those balls in the the air, but yeah. they're not necessarily then going to be charging 40 yards out to try to make a play. I think of them as weirdly tough as well. I think if Fisher mm-hmm. is tough, I think if Seager is tough, these are like players you don't want to mess with. Yeah, yeah. they're Vikings, Daryl. <laughs> I mean, heritage-wise, yes, right? Yeah, and yeah. some of them are very old elevators built in the 1920s. <laughs> Anything else to tell me about Sweden? No, I mean, we I think, finished all our World Cup previews? I think we've finished all of our World Cup previews, wow. uh, but I, I think... Uh, I'm I'm just excited to see Sweden because they have the kind of juxtaposition of styles in there where they've got like the young exciting runners who will try to dribble through. They've got the kind of the veteran toughness that you've talked about. Yep. Um, and I think that final game against the USA could be incredibly dull if both teams are maybe trying to throw it and not necessarily trying to injure players. Yeah. It could also be very exciting if both teams are going for it. Yeah, it could be. We want to win the group. Yeah. And they could go at it. Right? I mean, and there's there, I'm hoping for. And there's a past relationship, and so maybe there's even the like Australia versus uh, Chile situation when maybe Sweden want revenge. The United States <laughs> want revenge for knocking them out of the Olympics. Uh, and they both go at each other. And I would All enjoy right. that too. So there you go. Mm-hmm. World Cup 2019. You have been previewed. You have been previewed. You've been previewed. You start on Friday. <laughs> if people want to watch. I like that you're just directly talking to the World <laughs> yeah. Cup now. Right in the World Cup space. Mm-hmm. Uh, the World Cup starts on Friday with France-Korea. is the only game on Friday. That's the opening game. Then the next day... We kick into gear with multiple games per day. Yeah, we as, do. As the World Cup mm-hmm. does. We'll have coverage throughout, right? We're not going to mm-hmm. go in detail on every single game, but we will have coverage throughout the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. We'll be focusing a lot on the U.S. women's We certainly team. will. Yes. All right. I've, I've nothing else to add, do you? I have nothing else to add. All right. That's great. If you have enjoyed our World Cup previews, please share them with people. The URL is totalsockshow.com slash WWC. Or you can send them a link to the podcast or anything else that you think might get people to listen. I will close by saying, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, my friend. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. <laughs>